If you want to nurture creativity so that your family can be producers of culture, whether that's filmmaking or creating programs online or writing books or even just being the most creative electrician or plumber in your community, check out the resources from the Peaceful Press. Each of our elementary bundles includes beautiful art, hands-on projects that develop those STEM skills, wonderful literature that helps your children become good communicators, and beautiful activities to do as a family in nature or in the kitchen. So you can check out those bundles. We'll link them in the show notes and create a more creative and nurturing environment for your family. This is Jennifer Pepito with the Restoration Home Podcast. This is the show where we talk about the peaceful path to connected families and restored communities. Today on the show, I'm excited to be talking to Ryan Collins. He's the founder and CEO of Bethel Tech. It's a school where you can learn skills for computer engineering careers as well as the character it takes to excel in the computer business space. Thanks so much for joining me today, Ryan. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I'm I'm really excited to chat with you about, I have so many questions because I have teens who are growing up and I have some adult children and it seems like And so I have questions that I know that are going to encourage our community, but I also have my personal questions I'm so excited about. But um, let me just start with, you know, so many families, there's this pull, this tug where we're like, oh, you want to play video games more? Like, I don't want you to play anymore. And, and you want to be on Instagram already, you know? And so there's this pull all the time of trying to balance out how much tech is the right amount of tech in a family Can you speak a little bit to that in terms of even different stages? Like, I think that what is good for children in the online space is different than what is good for teens and so on. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. And, you know, I'm not one who thinks that we should be doing everything with technology. So that might shock some people, especially since I run a a tech school. Um, But we are firm believers in getting outside, uh, you know, getting your bare feet on the on the fresh grass, making sure that you're spending some activity where you're not constantly hunched over and and uh, just have your eyeballs on a computer screen um, all day, every day. So we actually put some really good parameters in place. We have three daughters. um, They're all homeschooled. Uh, We have a 15-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a 6-year-old. And so um, for our two oldest daughters, our 13-year-old, she just turned 13. And so one of her big things for her 13th birthday is she got an Instagram account. So when they're teenagers, we allow them to have an Instagram account. But we also are very um, strict on how much time they can spend. So they can only spend 15 minutes a day um, on social media. They can only have 60 minutes on their phones in total um, throughout the day, and they have to break it up with 15 minute block increments. So we're very intentional about that. Their, uh, their social media accounts all flow through my wife's account. So she, um, she sees everything that goes on. She sees any friend requests. And then also we keep those private. So really an opportunity for them to be able to connect with some of their friends, uh, and through social media, but we don't do it public and we're very intentional about that. So, and then in terms of like, 
like video games and things like that, we, we, again, that falls within that 60 minute time frame in, in that 15, those 15 minute blocks. So we are very intentional about our kids not spending too much time with their computers and their iPhones and their iPads and their video games. And that really fosters an opportunity for us to engage as a family. We're very big into, um, you know, talking at the dinner table, playing games after dinner, you know, going on walks, different things like that. So really important for us. And, and we definitely make that distinction because it's important, even though run a tech school, the purpose of that is more career driven and that the tech space is this huge opportunity to um, increase your uh, upward economic mobility and do so not having to spend four years and $150,000 plus on a computer science degree. You can do a program like ours, get in, get out, get a job. And then what's so unique about ours is that we are the only Christian coding boot camp in the world. So we're focused on the character. We want people to display the excellence excellence of Christ in both skill and character and usher the presence of God into the most influential sphere in society. I love that. That's amazing. You know, I talked to a movie producer once and I I asked her, what do you think the most important thing to do to prepare our children? Like if I have kids who want to be in the movie making industry or in the you know, even in software development or, or a computer-based industry. And for her, she said the most important thing is this foundation of literature and play in the early years because it cultivates the imagination that could create an award-winning game or movie or something. What do you think about, like, in your experience, what is cultivating in childhood the most creative programmers? Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I, I wholeheartedly agree. You know, my background's in journalism. A lot of people think that I'm a coder. I'm actually not a coder. So um, the Lord has a, a fun way of taking us on these unexpected journeys. But um, in addition to running Bethel Tech, we also launched Bethel College, which includes Bethel Conservatory of the Arts, which um, is uh, filmmaking, screenwriting, acting, dancing, uh, and one of the things that we say over and over, it's so important to be a great storyteller. Well, the the best way to be a great storyteller is to read stories and to hear stories. You know, some of the greatest stories that we've ever read or heard are actually in the Bible. So that's a great starting point. Uh, the other part of that in terms of tech specifically is that there are studies that show that people that are, um, you know, musically inclined, that have a music background, make great coders. And so there's just a way of thinking with coding that is in alignment with the way of thinking and learning music. So learning the arts is really important. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but um, learning to, um, you know, pick up a musical instrument, especially when you're young. It's so much easier to do it when you're younger. Uh, read. Reading is so important. If you want to become a great writer, you the best way to do that is to, to read really great writing. And so all these things that don't even require necessarily, you know, logging into, uh, you know, into a computer and, and, and starting to code, like, have fun. And that that's such an important part of it too. And then also go outside and explore, you know, the one of the, the hallmark trait of a good software developer is that they're curious, they're curious, and they look at things and they want to find the why um, behind the how and then they also are great problem solvers. So anything that you can do um, as a parent to foster that curiosity with your kids and to establish this idea of not just uh, like looking at problems 
problems, but wanting to find solutions, that's a, that's a great way to get them um, interested and a great kind of foundation to set if they want to eventually get into um, coding or, or, or anything in the tech space. So many of our kids, especially homeschool kids, are a little bit can be kind of isolated as they move into the high school years. And I've seen families use online classes, but then you end up having your children, especially boys, it feels like have had issues with being uh, sucked into like hours and hours and hours of video gaming. And sometimes that's just out of loneliness. But how do you encourage children to be, especially teens, especially moving into the teen years, to be producers of tech instead of just consumers of it. Yeah. I mean, I think part of that too, is that if they have a passion for it, I mean, there is there, I I do think if it's the right type of video games, I mean, it definitely can foster creativity and imagination. And the more that they're spending time with it, they're starting, they're, they're actually learning more than they realize. So, I mean, the reality is, is the video game industry is massive. It's the number one um, entertainment um, industry. it's it's in the, it's the number one entertainment platform in the world. I mean, it, the 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 revenue. I don't have the exact numbers, but it far outpaces, uh, you know, movies in Hollywood. And so you're seeing a lot of um, production studios actually working with uh, video game companies to create these incredible experiences, these Hollywood level experiences, which is something that at Bethel Tech and at Bethel Conservatory of the Arts, and and even we have a music college as well. We have a dream of combining our three schools within our college to create one specific type of program that would include video game design, um, the storytelling, maybe voiceover and, and, and voice actors, and then the, the musical component as well. So I do think it's something that if like they're interested in it, uh, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would lean into that. I would definitely make sure that the content that they're consuming in the video games is appropriate, but also to create balance too, because anything that's done out of balance can be, can be a problem. So that I think it's good. I mean, I remember playing video games when I was younger. I, I love sports in particular, and, and so they're you know, Madden and all these college football games. But I, I, I do think that there has to be balance, and also want to make sure that you're creating, um, you know, looking for opportunities for them to engage with the community. So whether that's a really strong youth group, I mean, there's so many. Uh, there's so many options now, especially if you're homeschooling, uh, or not just homeschooling, but I mean. I know back when I was a teenager, there weren't as many options for, for homeschool opportunities, and um, but now there are. And so I think if you're just intentional about finding those places, uh, and even, you know, even homeschool kids, they, they can now play for different high school teams. I, I just love kind of the maturation of engaging and um, including uh, a homeschool student. And so yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunities there for kids. You just have to be intentional about it and make sure that sometimes it is easy to say, well, my kid's happy. They're playing on the video games, you know, and it's, you know, it's an hour, two hours, whatever. Uh, but you want to make sure that you're staying firm and making sure that that's not consuming their life because anything done out of balance can end up becoming a problem. Yeah. And so how do you like, especially thinking even of the, of the tech school, how do you help some of these? And I don't know, I don't want to generalize that it's just guys, but I, I've heard of a few different married couples, even where their adult husband is addicted to video games. So how do you help these guys develop their own internal boundaries around like it's appropriate to play at this time, but not all night so that I can't even help my wife with the kids? Like, how do you help men 
and teens, especially because it starts in the teen years. And if it's always mom putting on the boundary, I think that can be destructive. But then also, if there's no boundaries, that's not so good either. Yeah. Well, I would say if you're a husband and you're spending all your time playing video games and you are not, you know, you're not living up to your responsibilities as a husband uh, and a dad, you need a man up. <laughs> you just need to stop doing that. Like, that's not, you need to have your priorities in check. Um, but I do think I've seen it where, um, you know, uh, a dad and, um, and a son, they really bond by playing video games. So I think there is an opportunity if you look at it, just like in similar to like playing a, a you know, a board game. Um, but you, you want to make sure that you're not, you're not, um, sacrificing the thing, the, the priorities that should come above playing video games. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I mentioned, I have, I have three daughters, so they're not into video games as much. I mean, it's more of uh, social media and things like that, but I will tell you for um, Bethel school of technology, 37% of our student population is female, which is really awesome. Um, compared to the national average for computer science degrees at universities, which is around 17%. So there are a lot of um, women who are very interested in technology. And the beauty of the programs that we offer is it, it runs the full spectrum. I mean, if you're into um, coding, we have coding. If you're into math and, and analytics and statistics, we're in, we have data science. If you're more creative uh, and you're into, you know, kind of uh, – like graphic design, uh, we have a UI UX design program. We have cybersecurity if you're in, interested in, t in that. So we're, we're launching a blockchain program, which is really exciting for us. So, um, you know, the, but the thing that I would say too is that our program, you know, Jennifer, we started off as more for a career pivoter. Uh, you know, so that at, when we started, we launched Bethel Tech back in, uh, our first class was January of 2018. When we launched that, our, our, Typical um, student uh, persona was, you know, the 30 to 35 year old career pivoter who was stuck in a job that they didn't see a future in. They couldn't drop everything to go back to school and spend, you know, 200K on a four year computer science degree. So they went with our program. Our program is, you know, nine months long and it's, it's you know, it's anywhere from now 5000 to $16,000. And so they knew that he could get in, get out and get a job. And so that really was kind of the premise of um, our program and the coding bootcamp space um, overall. Now, something really interesting happened when we, when COVID hit and you had these high school seniors who were graduating and they were forced to take a gap year because the universities had shut down their in-person program. They started looking at us more. So we started getting these 18 year olds who were coming into our program and they would take our program in nine months, three months later, they were getting $75,000 jobs. And they're like, this is incredible. I was going to spend four years at a university learning, I don't know what, and spending 150K plus, And I was able to get exactly what I wanted and more through your program that's nine months long. And I learned what it looks like to actually carry the presence of God into um, my environments. And so that was really cool for us. And so we saw more 18, 19 year old, 20 year olds going through our program. And then we ended up launching a high school program as a pilot with a, a homeschool um, group out of Southern California called Independent Learning Academy. And that's kind of evolved into us doing a summer intensive, which we'll be doing um, this summer uh, or summer of, of 2024. So, um, so yeah, so that, you know, we are very much career minded, but also wanting to make sure that, that 
you know, you, you create an opportunity for your kids to learn from a lot of different places and make sure that they have their priorities. But again, if you're an adult, if you're a husband and you are prioritizing your, your video game time over your family, you got to stop. Just please stop. And yeah, I love and that. Ask for forgiveness. Yeah. And I mean, you, you answer a lot of questions in there because I think that for myself, for instance, I have a couple of kids who've gotten a four-year degree and, and then I have some who are, taking a different path. And it feels like in society right now, we are in this big, there's actually a book called the fourth turning where it talks about how every so many years there's like a societal collapse and rebirth. And that feels like what we're in right now where a lot of things are changing so fast. And, you know, so how will, for instance, I, I agree with you that we don't necessarily need four year degrees anymore. And so for families who are homeschooling, they're trying to get their kids launched into adulthood into being, um, way, you know, earners who can support a family Four-year degrees aren't necessarily the only way, but even with tech careers, like is AI going to take over coding? What are some of the careers that you really feel like are going to be a good place to invest in right now? Yeah, that's a really great question. I do still see the value for a four-year degree. I think that we need to disrupt the model a little bit. And one of the things that we're doing with Bethel Tech and Bethel College, we're actually creating a degree, degree programs, um, but we're 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 basically unbundling the higher education experience and we're creating stackable credentials within the degree program. So you can go through, you can start with our full stack software development program or data science, whatever it is, you know, go through that for 15 to 36 weeks and you have a stackable, you have a credential that's highly employable, but then you don't stop there. It, let's say, I'll, I'll just take you through a scenario. So, um, we, we recently launched a micro-credential, front-end web development micro-credential. It's part of our, our full-stack software development program. You go through that. It's 15 weeks long. It's an employable skill. Um, and so let's say you go through that program, you get a job making 55K as a front-end web developer. Well, if you want to persist on and learn the back-end of web development, you, you continue on into our full-stack software development program, and you pick up where you left off. So you go and you get um, training and efficiency and back-end development. And then that's an opportunity of career progression within your organization. And there's a little bit more salary increase, quite a bit more salary increase um, if you know front-end and back-end. But if you want to continue on and get a computer science degree, because maybe that's part of your career progression model at the company that you're working for now, well, our program transfers as 27 college credits into a computer science degree. And we're also building on a computer science degree that there would be a natural progression into it. So the beauty of that is that oftentimes the companies that have hired you will help you pay for your school. So you're reducing um, your need, uh, you're reducing your cost and you're reducing your time as well. So it's really cool. So there are, if you go to US News and World Report, you know, almost every year, the number one job is software development that is always in high demand. And if you look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, reports, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's about a 30% increase in job growth in software development and computer science. That's much greater than any other um, industry. And so this is a really good opportunity. Now, your question about artificial intelligence. I think that um, AI will probably automate some 
um, some jobs. But anytime you have a new technology like that, what happens is, is it creates new job opportunities. So you're definitely definitely going to need to know coding. You're in, you know, Python language is a really important language within the whole AI model. Data science is really important. So you're going to have to have people that know how to basically handle the artificial intelligence because AI, contrary to what some of the doomsdayers may say, is not go i don't think there's this moment of singularity where it becomes sentient in any way i mean it will never know it will never know how to love it will never it will never have feelings so i don't think it's going to have an independent sense it's still going to require humans to um input data so that it can output or make predictive analytics based on all the data that it's uh that's been put into its system so i i think that that's something really important for us to understand that there will be a lot of new jobs that are birthed out of kind of this AI revolution. And McKinsey, uh, it was either McKinsey or Gar I think it was McKinsey, ran a report last year that said 85% of the jobs that will exist in 2030, which is just seven years, six and a half years from now, ha have yet to be invented. So those will largely be in the tech space. And then I'll say one more thing to that. Um, about 10 years ago, the, the, the CEO of IBM uh, at the time, her name is Jenny Rometty. She's a hero of mine. She's since retired, but she coined this phrase, new caller skills. And what she was saying is that for where IBM and other tech companies are going, we're not going into a season where that's defined by white collar skills and blue collar skills, but new collar skills that require immediately applicable skills or immediately applicable training. And so what they were saying is that we're not looking at four-year degrees or even two-year degrees, we don't care how you know how to do these things. And largely, they were talking about coding, software development. We just It's just important that we see that you are proficient in it. And so they were even building programs, learning programs, so that you could learn the different elements of the technologies that were pertinent to the future of their work. And so that's why programs like Bethel School of Technology are so important because they're immediately applicable and they're accelerated learning programs so you can get in get out and get a job. Now, our philosophy is you get in, you get out, you get a job and you change the world because you are actually bringing the presence of God into the most influ influential sphere of society. So fascinating. What a really intriguing conversation, Ryan. And I, I just, before we close, I just want to pull back to one thing you mentioned earlier. You talked for a minute about how in your family, like even though you are the president of a tech school, you guys still prioritize some offline time and even some, like, I would call it sort of EMF reduction time, you know, where you guys are resetting your bodies. What are just, you know, especially for families where you see your kids going towards a tech career, what are some daily practices? This podcast is a lot about um, routines and rituals for a uh, more whole and sacred life. What are a few practices that as a family you do, even just to kind of reduce the load of radiation in your bodies? Yeah, no, that's a, you know, so practically speaking, we, we are in alignment with the way you're thinking. So what we do is we, we typically, we will turn off Wi-Fi every night when we go to bed, we make sure that the router is not anywhere near our head. Um, when I travel, I, I actually bought a hat. It's called Lambs. I don't know if you've heard of this company, but it's like an EMF blocker. So, um, and they actually have clothes for that as well. Um, and we just make sure that we're not spending a lot of time on, on looking at screens. In fact, we don't even have a television in our living room. It's up in our game room, and so and it, which is upstairs. 
So we have to be like very intentional about like, if we're going to watch something like it's just this added layer of like, we're going to walk up the stairs. We have to get in there. And then we make sure that we're outside. Like we're spending a lot of time outside and we're spending a lot of time together, which is great. We, we do a lot of stuff together. So that's really important. And then again, like I mentioned earlier, um, I would put definitely put limits on the amount of screen time that you have for your children and make, make sure you're monitor it. You, you know this, I'm sure everybody listening to this probably knows this but there's some great monitoring software out there you can put on your phones i think custodio is one of them you know norton's got some stuff um just make sure that you're 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 making sure you're you're monitoring everything that they're you know that they're looking at because we know you know technology i I say this all the time i i actually wrote a whole book about this called the god of tech if you're interested and it's all about redeeming the tech space so that all would taste and see the goodness of god and um the lord gave me some downloads as i was meeting with some of the leading tech companies of the world after we launched bethel tech which was so crazy jennifer because we knew that there would be churches and ministries supporting us and cheering us on but we started getting invited to like google and apple and facebook meta at the time um and they were very curious about the soft skills that we were teaching uh and it wasn't even the tech skills that that opened the door for us that was just a prerequisite to get on their radar but the fact that we taught things like culture of honor and trustworthiness um healthy relationship and community these are the soft skills that companies were investing millions of dollars to improve workplace culture so they saw us as the first boot camp that was intentionally focused on character building which is awesome these are all kingdom values so kingdom values when done in authenticity should be attractive to the world so anyways that was a little tangent but um I would just say that uh, it's really important that you uh, you make sure that you're monitoring what your kids are doing and you're putting in guardrails in place so they're not being consumed. They're not being uh, they don't become slaves to the technology. But technology is a tool that takes on the function of its user. So we know that if I give you a hammer, uh, you could build a house or you could hit somebody over the head with it. Like we're choosing to build a house, but um, we know that technology is a tool. It's not the solution. It's actually a tool that we believe can point to the solution who is Jesus. And so if you keep that in perspective, I think that everything will flow under that and you'll see technology. You'll start using technology as a way that is, that's good. And you'll figure out practical ways to make sure that we're putting guardrails in for your kids. So that they're not going into a spot or a space that can that can cause a lot of pain and problems. Yeah, so good, Ryan. And I'm really excited about the way you talked about making you know some space in your lives where there isn't tech, because I do feel like it is in those silent moments, those silent margins, that some of the really great creative ideas come. Like even for myself as a business owner and a curriculum creator, a lot of my great ideas for new resources for my families come when I'm taking a walk in the woods or in other ways being quiet. And so I think that for us to be, you know, submitted to the Lordship of Jesus in our creativity, whether we're tech creators or some other kind of creator, it does take having quiet time as a basic practice. So, well, this was amazing. I'm going to link the God of Tech in the show notes. I'm going to link the Bethel Tech School so that families can look into that. I know so many of my listeners are homeschool parents who are trying to figure out how to prepare their children for the future. And it's changing so fast. So I think your conversation or your insight is going to be really encouraging to them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's been such a pleasure and I love what you're doing. And uh, yeah, I mean, again, technology is a tool that takes on the function of its user. So let's use it as a tool um, and not let it consume us and just be very intentional about making sure that 
um, your kids are not becoming slaves to um, to the technology. And you you hit the nail on the head. Um, that quiet time that that is where creativity happens. And so we don't want to basically relegate our creative time to um, just eyeballs on a screen like this is a really good opportunity for them to understand the importance of silence and the importance of quiet time to to leaning into their relationship with the lord which as we know everything flows out of that so if you're if you get anything out of what i'm saying um and just to piggyback off what you're saying jen is that if you will foster an environment in which a relationship with jesus is the top priority in your household everything else will come into focus under that So good. Thanks, Ryan. 